can we think about weight loss in a different way? That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm not overweight. I'm just nine inches too short. Shelly Winters. Boy, me too. Today we're going to talk about the book, Feel Great, Lose Weight, Long-Term Simple Habits for Lasting and Sustainable Weight Loss by Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. We did a book of his in episode 78, March 7th, 2022. It was about health snacks. And it's not what you think it is. It's more like he takes these little bitty ideas. So if you're stressed out, if you're feeling defeated, if you're feeling tired, these little bitty actions you can take. And then they put them together in a formula so that you can feel better no matter what it is that's happening to you. I really like that book. It was a great way to take whatever is going on in your life and addressing it in very tiny ways. So the first thing he wants us to know about this weight loss business is it's not you, it's the environment. And that we have to stop blaming ourselves. I get kind of iffy on that. I mean, obviously, when I look at my own weight, I'm a big chunk of what's to blame. But I get what he's meaning about is that there's so much food out there and it's always impacting us. And the whole advertising world is against us. It is just an uphill battle to lose weight against society. And he says, even so, our foods are more calorie rich than ever. They're more tempting and delicious than ever. There's just really nothing helping us. And then we sit in our computers all day long and work. And so now we're sitting too much. Then we don't feel great. Our sleep is interrupted. And so everything just kind of goes together in this big, you know, and I get that. I understand uh, that piece of it too. And what makes weight loss so difficult is the fact that we're all so different. It is hard to know what's the right thing to do. And there's just so many systems out there. So what's the right one? And the inherent problem is we're all so different. We don't know what the right thing for us is because our bodies are different. I'm different from my friends and my friends are different from me. Things that work out really well for me for whatever reason, doesn't really work out great for one of my friends. She tries all sorts of things and then we just have different situations. Part of it is I'm kind of muscly now. I do a lot of weightlifting. And so I have a lot of little factories that are working on my benefit, but she doesn't really lift weights. And so she doesn't have that going for her. So we're just different people. So it's also hard to know what to do when everything is so wildly different between people. And that's where we're going to have to find out what works for us. But he says in the end, this is so worth it. We have to address these things and not in a way because society tells us to do it or anything like that. We have to do it because it's what's best for us. It's going to make the best version of us. And while he's not in that whole body positivity movement, he understands the greater message, which is people are really cruel about this. I mean, absolutely. You try dating when you're overweight and you're best friend is adorable. They all love the best friend because you're overweight, quite frankly, and you're just not as adorable. It's just the way it goes. So if we want to feel the best we can possibly feel, this is a time to take action. When we have an empty fuel tank, the car will tell us with the blinker lights, hey, you know, we're running out of gas. We have to do something. There's all sorts of systems in place for us to do it. But the problem with us is that our system is all screwed up now. Because for the whole history of mankind, getting food was important. Getting food was hard. And boy, if you found calorie-rich food, 
you are well on your way to survival for the long term. And so our body is so excited to see those really dense caloric foods and to eat as much of it as possible because you might not get a meal for the next 20 days. So better eat now. We live in an era where food is pretty prevalent and almost every economic group. And so we can eat and then we overeat because our body is like more, more, more. We have to survive. And so the signals are gone. We're no longer in that hunter-gatherer situation. We're in the fast food and junk food situation. So now our body signals all the things that our body understood to be important for our survival is fighting against us now. And then he says the hard part is that we have to know what our weight point is. Cars, again, back to the car analogy, has a certain size gas tank. We know how much it takes to fill it up. My tank is around 13 gallons. And so I know once I get up there about how much I have to go. But when we get the low fuel warning, he says, on our own body, he says our brain has a setting where he calls it the weight point, where weight with a W as like you measure your weight on a scale. It worries that if you lose weight, something bad is happening. Your health is going under. You're in a starvation mode. You're in famine situations. And so that is a dedicated problem. And I know when I lost a tremendous amount of weight, it got weird after a while. Like I could eat X many calories and exercise X many times and I would lose weight consistently. And then I hit this one weight. And strangely enough, it was the weight that I was through most of high school and college. It probably was the weight I was at for most of my life at that point. And it just stopped. Everything stopped. And so what it starts doing is it slows down your body thinking, "Uh uh-oh, something's going wrong. We don't know what that point is. It's possible to break through it, but it becomes very difficult. Your body wants to try to maintain at least that minimum weight because we know you're healthy at that weight. And it's such a weird thing. And so it might even, on the same calories, try to help you gain weight. It might start shutting down other systems or slowing them down so your weight is maintained. It's not understanding you want to lose this weight. And so it's very difficult because our bodies panic about that. I was reading all sorts of interesting things about it. Belly fat is more prevalent on men because they often did the hunting. And so they needed readily available energy so they could run out. And belly fat is very liquid. Meanwhile, thigh and rear fat is very solid. It's very stable. And that was almost like a bank in case you got pregnant, in case you were going to have kids. And so you put on weight that's very stable and very solid because you may need to support a life for a long time. And so that's why our fats are different. Our bodies are there to try to protect us. And if we put it into a panic, it's going to just shut down altogether. And so his suggestion is we need to start becoming our own mechanic. We need to figure out why our mechanisms are going wrong. So he breaks it up into some categories, which we're going to talk about today. And that's basically the whole, what he calls the toolbox of this book. The number one point that he wants to make is that we should eat more real food. And I understand that. Food that is recognizable, and he calls it a fish that looks like a fish, and meat that looks like meat, and vegetables that look like vegetables. I think part of the problem is, is that we get all this, what they call frankenfood, you know, this highly processed food. And part of highly processed food is one, it is delicious. Two, it is very calorie dense. And three, it sometimes can be very unrecognizable to our bodies. 
But the other part is that it hits our dopamine. We eat like a cookie or we eat a bowl of ice cream or a something, a bag of Doritos. And we're like, that was so good. And it's tripping our dopamine triggers. And we talked about dopamine in the past, but it is the thing that wants to keep getting satisfied. It wants you to play one more game of cards, one more slot machine, one more round of your video game. It wants more, 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 more. And it had, again, an ancient purpose for us because if we found a little bit of water, it is telling you, hey, why don't you go out and find more water? And it rewards you by finding something that you need in your life so that you would find more of it. So it was a system that was also trying to keep us alive. But now that everything is all wrapped up into this dopamine system, we take that hit. He believes that if we eat real food, he says we'll start feeling less hungry. We'll be able to manage our weight better. And then he said we'll be less tempted by what he calls blissy food. And that's the food that puts us in bliss. Mmm, bag of Doritos. Whatever it is that just puts us in bliss because we just love this food. And that's where that dopamine hit comes. He says it's putting us in bliss because our brain has discovered this thrill of eating something that just hits all the joy markers in our brain. And even more so, you know, when winter comes. I don't know if you live in a place where you have winter, but up here in the North Woods, we have winter. And when it gets cold, boy, mac and cheese lasagna, all those very warm, cozy foods just does a trick for you whenever it is you're trying to eat a meal. And you just feel like, ah, it might be storming outside, but inside of here, I'm having joy. And so he wants us to divorce these two things. He wants us to change the, what we eat into real food and Make it so that we can recognize it as real food so we can divorce ourselves from that dopamine train. And here's the number one problem when I started telling people about this idea around me. Well, it's why we eat. It's why we love to eat. It's what makes eating enjoyable. And so you could see it's hard for people to do because it's the part that really makes them exciting. If again, you're having that blizzardy day and you're warmed up and you're eating that lasagna and you feel all cozy and then you have that worm. Apple dessert, you feel great. Same thing is like, you know, it's a hot time. It's in the middle of summer and you get the bowl of ice cream and the gelato. You're just enjoying it. And so he does want us to divorce ourselves from that joy. And he's not saying you can't have her have it again. And there's no shame in it if you want to have those things. But the most that we can do in order to divorce ourselves from that dopamine hit of the joy of food compared to just eating to, to live, we'll do better. And I don't know what kind of a sales pitch that sounds to you, but the idea is that if you can go down this direction, you're not going to be fighting to lose weight. You are naturally going to lose weight. A long time ago, I was trying to use what was called the, I think it was called natural eating offhand. It was a podcast I was listening to, and she talked about that where you listen to your natural signals. And so I came up with this little like abacus. And every time I felt a little bit more hungry, I would slide a bead over. And I wasn't allowed to eat until the bead was at a certain level. And I thought this is going to try to bring me back to that track where I only eat where I'm hungry. Because the promised land is if you can get to the point where you only eat when you're hungry and return your eating back to a natural pattern, you're not going to diet because you will naturally feel full 
You will naturally not have cravings, but it's harder to do. And this book somewhat explains why it's so hard. It's because of that dopamine hit. We can be all natural eating as we want and put our little abacus slide in and know exactly how hungry we are at any given moment. But on the other side, our brain is like, more dopamine, please. More dopamine, please. And now we're still being fought against, even if we're doing the right thing. And then he says, you know, too, we're like in this buffet where we're wanting a little of this and we're wanting a little of that. And yes, we'll have some sweets at dinner. And yes, we'll have that very sugary, you know, coffee liqueur after we eat everything. And so we just have a little of everything because we've become into this buffet mentality of food. We want everything all the time. And then that's what's also divorcing us from our natural eating behaviors. And so he wants us to challenge ourselves for a few weeks, see if we can get away from that. Try three weeks avoiding, you know, going out to eat, taking out food, paying attention to food, and then going on what he's talking about, this divorce of this dopamine. He doesn't use the divorce, but I do. Because there's signals inside of our body, and he calls it leptin. And when our body determines that we have enough sugar in our bloodstream, this leptin says, okay, we already have enough fat. We don't need to be any more fat. So let's go ahead and start releasing it into the blood system. But then eventually our brain becomes deaf to it and we don't actually hear the message that we're full. We never hear that leptin stop message. That's why people take leptin as a supplement because they think they'll start to feel hungry again. But instead, what he's saying is it's happening is that all those things that are floating around in our bodies is causing us to no longer hear messages again. I got into that problem in a health way where the doctor was talking about triglycerides and sugars in your system and saying that what happens is, is that when you have all this floating around, eventually the insulin gets overproduced, your body starts to ignore it, leptin gets ignored, and everything just starts going downhill. And then even some hormonal signals that are just a normal part of your body gets missed because there's so many other signals floating around in there and you just become unsensitive to nearly everything. And so it can turn your health into a real problem. But he says that leptin resistance in general is easy to repair. We just have to get back to the place where our body recognizes, I'm full, stop eating. And how we do that is to get back into more straightforward, regular food. He says, try to eat foods without an ingredients label. That will help. And so he talks about things like carrots and fish and avocado and eggs and nuts and those types of things. That's one success I did have. And when I lost weight the first time, that is absolutely what I did. I didn't eat foods that had labels on them for the most part. Everything was an individual single ingredient. And why that helped is that, first of all, the food is very natural. Your body knows exactly what to do with it. It also doesn't have that savoriness to it where you just crave more and more and more. And then the other part of it, too, is it's very healthy foods because it actually represents a real thing as compared to prefabricated food, which is cooked down in such a way it's very easily digestible. It enters our bloodstream very quickly without a lot of processing. And it's just typically not very good for you. Not only that, you have no idea how much sugar, how many other things are hidden in that. 
I was looking at this beef broccoli dish from Trader Joe's. It's very tasty. I thought, gosh, this is really good. But all it is is beef and broccoli. Isn't that cool? And then I looked at the label on the back and it was chock full of sugar. No wonder it was so tasty. It was amazing because it had so much sugar in there. It made that meal just so savory and delicious. And then I asked my trainer at one point too, she's a vegetarian. I said, how come there are vegetarians who are overweight? It seems like vegetable is the perfect thing to eat to lose weight. And she said, oh, well, that's because these vegetarians, they're not, they're not eating vegetables. They're just not eating meat. Oh, I see. So he says that once we get into the one ingredient foods, then we're going to start regaining control over our calories because there's not going to be weird sauces and things in there. Our foods will know what they are. He says that it's really easy to keep frozen vegetables in our house at all time, have fruit around, making sure that you have some herbs and spices to make your food a little bit more exciting. He says you can keep garlic and onion and some other things so that you cut back on you know cooking time if that's what you're going to do. But he said that when we do that, we will actually have a healthier situation of it. He also has some recommendations too for having canned tomatoes, canned fish. Oh, I don't know about canned fish, lentils, beans, those kinds of things. And just batch cook, you know, so that you have a number of these meals readily available. I started doing that and I was better at it before. And that's where I've kind of fallen off the wagon somewhere around last summer. But I made a lot of dishes that were bean, uh, rice dishes. Like I said, I had nuts, I had things that were actual things. And then, I don't know, winter came along and then suddenly I was eating Trader Joe's lasagna because it was so good. And I realized that in reading this book, that's really what went wrong is the fact that I am eating real foods. If you look at anything from Trader Joe's, there's no chemicals in it. It reads like honest food that came out of the ground or came from something that was growing or living on this planet. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have that high sugar that high savoriness that is causing that dopamine hit. And so if we can get back to just eating more simple foods, then we can go that direction. This also explains to me too, why that natural eating plan, that natural hunger idea wasn't working because I still have that dopamine hit saying, I know Jill, you're full right now. I can see on the abacus, you're not quite hungry yet, but wouldn't that worm cookie taste good right about now? And so that's the problem is while I'm eating the right food categories or I'm not eating things that have chemicals in them, I'm still eating very tasty foods that are hitting my dopamine systems. And that's where he says we need to get away from that. He says that once we do that, once we lower our addiction to these blissy foods, he says, we'll start getting naturally full because we'll start hearing our full message again. Oh, I'm full right now. You won't feel like overeating because the foods are so very normal and very simple that you won't necessarily want to overeat them because they don't have that impact on your dopamine. You'll eat what you want and then suddenly you'll say, I'm done. I'm full. And that's where he thinks we'll lose the dopamine hit and we'll be able to just start eating like a real human being again. So, In the end, he says the aim is not so much low carbs or vegetarian, but instead minimally processed, one ingredient foods. You can mix them together, you know, but don't 
get those foods that are just engineered by science to make it so that you can't overcome what your body wants to have. So we're going to go ahead and stop it there. And then next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about his plan. He has some other ideas. And like I said, I like his books because he's all about small steps. He's all about simplicity. There's no complicated things to his book. So I really enjoyed reading this and it's given me a lot of thought, food for thought, I might say, in how I might change up my own diet. So my challenge to you is see if you could at least replace one meal a day with a single ingredient items. No processed food. Maybe you're making your own steel cut oatmeal or figuring out that two hard boiled eggs every day does it for you with no ingredients to them all. Can just one meal a day can just be that simple, minimally processed meal. All right, everyone, thanks so much. I appreciate listening to the podcast. I hope you're all having a wonderful beginning of your year. And remember, you can always email me at jill at startwithsmallsteps.com. I would love to hear from you and love to hear what your weight loss challenges are. And remember, our walk towards healthier living and lower weight starts with small steps and minimally processed foods. <music>